So I've just come back today from London. I've just had a week with Icarus Theatre Company doing Julius Caesar, um, which has been fantastic. And some of the, the language in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar fits in <laughs> with this. It's kind of quite ironic. Um, and, then, and then when I saw the text, uh, as I said, I was like, John, why do you do this to me? Because this is intense. It's quite a heavy text. I'm, I mean, I'm right. It's pretty intense. Um, so just asking God over the week in terms of my own um, devotions, my own and my devotions, just so that you know, that they're not like me uh, stuck in a room and it's me walking to the tube station and saying, God, help. Um, wow, well, that's a bit more than that. Um, I wanted to fine-tune uh, what I wanted to share today because there is so much in this, um, a huge amount. But what I'm really interested in is the take-home. What is it that we can take? What touches us, moves us? so that we don't walk out of here with just a sense of just understanding, but we, we have a sense of the presence of God, the power of God, the love of God. And in some ways, something resonates in us, so it's more than just head knowledge. So I'm not going to retell the story, um, but I'll put a few things into context, and I'm going to fine-tune this, and I'm going to fine-tune this in the context of prophecy, that we're talking about a prophet, and they are prophesying. And I, I think um, that uh, prophecy is, is often misunderstood. And so I, I think what will be useful is to, to use the text that we've looked at um, and put um, the prophetic prophecy into some context, but in a context that I think that I hope will, will touch us and give us hope. So I'm going to start as I mean to begin, and I haven't done this for a long time, uh, but I'm going to do it nonetheless. Uh, and that is to give two prophetic words. What do I mean by prophetic? Prophecy, in essence, means is that you're speaking what you believe God is saying. Uh, and invariably, we, the, the scriptures say we prophesy in part. In other words, we don't kind of like literally give the literal words of God, but in some ways, God sometimes gives us a thought, an idea, an image, and we, we have a glance of it, and then we can share that glance. And the most important thing, uh, and I think is often not referred to, is that when a prophetic word is given, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that takes that and works that into our hearts and into our souls, not the individual who delivers it. It's, it's between you uh, and God. So um, just while we were uh, worshipping, I just had a, two things pop into my head. And the first one was uh, a, an image of a family, um, um, almost like in a desert, living in a tent with children. And the time had come for the family to move, but the children will not follow. And I'm feeling that what the, the Holy Spirit is saying is for, if, if it's for you, then by all means speak to John uh, or, or one of the other elders and, and receive prayer. Is that, uh, and, and in some ways, it kind of touches me as well, but I don't feel it's for me or for our family. Is that there is a sense of concern for children, that you feel that there is a, a separation. 
And if you could imagine, the tent has been packed. Mother and father, the elders, are carrying everything and bringing it and saying to the children, are you coming? And they say, no, because they are now of age. And it's time for them to move on. And, uh, and as a parent, I understand that and, and understand the difficulties and the challenges of that. But what I feel the Holy Spirit is saying is, this is right and this is good. And you need to let them go. The second one is more specific, which is for you, Emma. And while you were worshipping, while we were all worshipping, I saw in my mind's eye you climbing a, um, a cliff, a mountain, as a worshipper. But there's a, a part of your worship that I, I think it would be really good just to, to clarify and weigh this and speak to the elders. You are prophetic as a worshipper. And I think there's a sense that you need to let that settle. What do I mean by that? Is that you not only lead worship, but sometimes something of, of the vibration of heaven touches you and then you sing, as you did today, actually. Which I believe is carrying something of the heart of God that we need to hear. The second part of that is that I saw in my mind's eye that I've never climbed a mountain. Um, I can't remember the guy's name who used to climb mountains. I don't think he's here today. Brian. Brian. He's, not here. he's not here. He'd explain this more. He's climbing a mountain. Is he? <laughs> but uh, sometimes when you are climbing, you then get to uh, an edge. Uh, and, it, and it feels like an impossibility. But what God is asking you to do is to have faith in him, but in you and to take the risk of climbing so that you can get to the high place. He is calling you to the high place. And there is a sense, I don't know what that is, you do, but he's, he's calling you up. Is that okay? So, starting with a little bit of context with um, Joel. Joel, a prophet to the nation of Judah. I've written it so that I try not go off on uh, tangents. Uh, also known as the Southern Kingdom. Now it's worth noting that while there were 12 tribes of Israel united under King David and his son, his predecessor Solomon, after Solomon's death, the kingdom had been divided into two. There were two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. They remained loyal to the line of David, and accepted Solomon's son. Uh, that became Judah, or the southern kingdom. Then there were the other ten tribes. They followed, um, and I hope I pronounce this right, Jeroboam, setting up a new kingdom with a new capital, Samaria. Uh, they call themselves Israel, uh, or in the northern kingdom. The time itself, the book of Joel, well, we're not quite sure when exactly uh, Joel lived or prophesied, but there is a sense, and most theologians, including John Honor himself, believe that it, he prophesied during the reign of King Joash, which was around 1835-1796 BC, for those who are taking notes. <clears throat> what remains and what is important, however, is the message of the book, which can be summarized as this. 
Sin draws God's judgment. And yet within his justice, there is an abundance of mercy. So as I said, rather than running through in detail the history of the book or even reiterating the contents or the potential calamity um, prophesied by Joel, I want to draw out a few observations and thoughts that came to my mind while I was considering the book. I wanted to focus specifically on prophecy and its place in our lives today. These are my thoughts, which may not necessarily parallel the Church of England, which might mean this will be the last time I ever preach here again. So let's look at prophecy. Often perceived as the ability to speak today of something to come tomorrow or of a future event. Now, although this is partially true, prophecy as I understand it resonates with more width and depth than just fortune-telling. And that's the English dictionary definition, not, not mine. Put simply, prophecy, and in terms of what we've read, or prophesying is to speak for God. Joel chapter 2 is just that, speaking on behalf of God and representing him, his thoughts and actions, particularly the actions or judgments of God on, in this context, a rebellious and perpetually sinful people that God, interestingly, still calls his own. But what I'm interested in is... What is the New Testament understanding in terms of where we stand today? What is the New Testament understanding of prophecy? And does it have a place in the church today and the wider community? Now, a great place to start is in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. It talks about the gifts of God given to Christian believers, and these are listed uh, as follows. The gift of wisdom. That speaks for itself. Um, the gift of knowledge or the word of knowledge, the ability, not ability, that's wrong, where God speaks and reveals something for an individual, i.e., uh, and in fact, it's happened here that sometimes folks say, oh, I, I believe or I feel in my heart that someone is suffering with a bad, bad back. We'd like to pray for you. Boom, someone goes, wow, that's me. Pray and things get better, perhaps. Faith is also another gift. The gift of healing, working of miracles. Miracles being, that is impossible. Only God can do that. Let me give you a quick example of that. Um, Sierra Leone in, I can't remember when, we, when I went. I can't remember if it was before we got married or, or after. And I, I, uh, I remember uh, a young African schoolgirl, blind, her eyes were coated, and, she, and I don't know if she was healed, I don't know, but I'll tell you what I, what I believe. And she came up to um, us as a team, <laughs> and uh, I said, what can I do for you, knowing that she's blind? And she said, I'd like to have my sight back. Uh, and I was like, well, let's pray. Um, and I remember praying and just asking, for 
God to do his stuff. And uh, I don't know if she was healed. I don't know. But what I do know is when she walked away and she was crying, her tears were milk. They looked like milk. And I was blown away. Like, I'm like, I hope that God was doing something there. Uh, anyway, sorry, that was, that was not in my notes. There's also the gift of discernment of spirits, speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues. So the point is this. Prophecy is listed as one of the gifts given by the Holy Spirit. But my question is, what is its purpose in the church and the wider community? Well, the best place to understand this is also found in the Scriptures. The essence and purpose of prophecy is summed up in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. And I'll read it. It says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. So strengthening. I don't know, a prophetic word could be you are called to walk with God. Read his word and he will be with you. Encouragement. Do not fear, for I am with you. Maybe God puts that into your heart to speak to someone else. Comfort. Come. Rest under the shadow of the Almighty, for I am with you. Maybe somebody needs to hear that. And that cuts between bone and marrow, flesh and blood, as the word of God through the Holy Spirit speaks to them. The key here, and which is often not emphasized enough, in my view, are the first five words of 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. Follow the way of love. The prerequisite of prophesying is doing so from a place of love. I would suggest that any other motivation other than love, is selfish and is more about the act of prophesying than it is about speaking in faith what is believed to be the very heart of God, the Father, through Jesus Christ. Joel chapter 2 is a heavy prophetic text of impending war and judgment, but what follows thereafter is the offer of mercy, compassion, God being slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. This is what is at the heart of the book of Joel. The prophets of old in the Old Testament are invariably looked at as being prophets of doom and gloom, fire and brimstone. But in the book of Joel, God in his love offers mercy, compassion, and love. A caveat then, my next point, a caveat to prophecy, and I think this is really important. 
It is often referenced that God first revealed himself through the prophets. That kind of resonates with a lot of us as Christian believers and having read the scriptures. God revealed himself through the prophets, using many of them to write the Old Testament. God's revelation to and through the prophets was sometimes fragmented. Sometimes it sounded incomplete, varied, full of mystery, and with the anticipation of a greater revelation. But this doesn't capture the full story. It is important for us to remember that God first revealed himself face to face and walked with man. Most of us, if not all, are familiar with chapters one and two of the Old Testament of Genesis where God himself walked in the Garden of Eden and conversed face to face with Adam and Eve and the serpent. I suppose my point here is Prophecy is a gift that points the hearts and minds of men and women towards God. And what type of relationship is God actually looking for? Well, ultimately, one where he walks with us. Prophecy is a gift. It can illuminate like lightning during a tremendous tropical storm, making the night seem like day. Now, if I can stretch this simile a little further, the prophetic word and what we've read, or a prophetic poem, or a prophetic picture, or gesture, can then rumble like thunder as the hearts of men and women wrestle with the mercy, compassion, grace, and love of God. The New Testament book of Revelation, a prophetic book in itself, full of mystery, adds this, that we will see God and the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ, face to face. So the prophetic points to the heart of God, which is for us to know him, and ultimately walk with him face to face. Finally, what does the prophetic actually look like? Well, there is the spoken word. I'll give you a quick example. There was a chap by the name of John Paul Jackson. Do you remember John Paul Jackson? I think he died about 15 years ago or something. A guy called John Paul Jackson um, came to... Uh, Normanton Community Church. He was up in Scotland. He then rang uh, Mark Mumford, who was the leader of our church, and, and, and said that um, um, God had asked him to come to Derby. And he came to Normanton Community Church, and, um, which was the church Rebecca and I used to go to. Um, and what was uh, amazing was that he, he spoke what he heard from, from the Father. Um, and I'll give you an example. I won't say, obviously, who it was, but uh, there was an individual who had given up another religion. I think she was Hindu, if I remember rightly, and had become a Christian. And, and as a result of that, her mother and father rejected her, absolutely rejected her. You are no longer our daughter. 
And only uh, a handful of people knew that. Um, and um, John Paul Jackson came and was chatting away. And then the prophetic word came to him for this individual and talked about rejection of mother and father, etc. So identified and got this individual's attention and then spoke about the redemptive, restoring spirit of God. It was an, it was an astonishing experience. An example for myself, sitting in a conservatory in the UK many years ago and crying in uh, the conservatory and asking God to speak. Uh, and I remember looking and seeing on the right-hand side in the garden there was a bush. And that bush had been there all the time. But in my heart and in my gut, I remember God saying, look closer. And I looked. And to my surprise... There were weeds growing within the very plant itself. And they looked exactly like the plant, but they weren't. But they were grafted in. And that really spoke to where I was as an individual uh, in terms of what was going on in my own heart and in my own soul. So I do believe that God the Father and the Son are speaking today. Scripture says, those who have ears here. Um, moving on quickly. Uh, sight. How, did, how else does God speak? Sight. There's an example of Jeremiah chapter 1 where he talks to the prophets, Jeremiah, I would read it, but time's ticking away, so I'll uh, paraphrase it, where uh, he calls Jeremiah a young prophet um, and, and says, and I'll paraphrase it about, before you were born, I knew you. I mean, let that sink in for a second. Before you were born, I knew you. I mean, that's in, I mean that, that in itself is a preach. But then, anyway, move on. God says to him, what do you see? What do you see? A bit like what I just said. Uh, and Jeremiah says, well, I... Um, I see this. And then God takes that and uses that as, as, as a prophecy. Sometimes God will say to you inside here, what do you see? Or what do you hear? Open up your heart and let God speak to you in the midst of that. Just as a, an aside, and, just, and I'll finish with this. I, I do believe God is speaking today. I think he's speaking all the time. We just have to have the ear to hear. He doesn't just speak on a Sunday evening, morning. But he's speaking all the time. I think heaven is vibrant. And I think God is speaking, prophesying. And we just need to hear this came really clear to me this week because one of the things I've been doing in London with Julius Caesar has been working with the deaf community. And I've been learning sign language. There is a language and a community of people that I have been oblivious of. 
And then I saw. And now I hear. And now I understand. I'm now engaged. I'm really moved. And I am touched. And I am changed. Because of this community. There is a wisdom inside this community and an intelligence and a heart that I never realized existed. So just take that for a minute. Let me also add, and this, I've got to work this one out in my head, but God speaks to the deaf and they hear. And I say that in all truth and in all reverence knowing that many deaf people celebrate their deafness and do not want to hear. These are not my words. These are the words of a deaf, a deaf born, someone who was born deaf that I heard this week. Anyway, my point is this. God is speaking. Sometimes really challenging words, a bit like what we read just now. Words that requires us to yield to him. It's a really amazing section uh, in um, Job. I think it's the last few chapters that I think our generation today need to hear. Uh, and again, I'll paraphrase it. And if you know Job, basically a lot of bad things happen to Job and he has all his mates hanging around him and they give him sound words of wisdom. Well, to me, they seem sound. And I read it sometimes. I'm like, what is wrong with their counsel? But then when God speaks in the midst of all of that, he says this. Who darkens my counsel with words with no wisdom? Let me say that again. Who darkens my counsel with words with no wisdom? Sometimes we have to yield ourselves to God, not God yield to us. Nonetheless, in all cases, God is speaking. And in the book of Job that we read or heard, read by uh, Flora, 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 sorry, his words can be summarized as this. His prophetic utterances offer mercy, compassion, grace, and love. Let's open our ears and open our hearts and submit ourselves to the prophetic word of God. Let's pray. We are grateful, Jesus, Son of God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. We welcome your words, words of mercy and grace and compassion and of love.
We welcome your words where you are calling us higher. We welcome your words where you challenge our concepts and our understanding. I ask Lord Jesus that we will not be a generation of people who darken your counsel with words without wisdom, but that we would listen first and humble ourselves so that you will come and heal us and heal our land. In your name, amen.